We have a group of gifted teenagers. We have Freddy Krueger back on his crap again. And we have the inspiration for NSYNC's Bye 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 music video in this film. We're talking about 1987's A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. I am Eric Lewis. Welcome to Primetime. What's going on, everybody? I am Eric Lewis. This is Horror Spoop. I hope you're excited about this episode. I am, that's for sure. We're talking about 1987's A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Of course, if you have not liked the socials, go to Facebook and like Horror Spoop. Go to Instagram, like Horror Spoop there as well. Make sure to rate and review this podcast episode so other people can listen to this spooky stuff. Now that we got that across, let's just get right into this film we call A Night Round on Street 3. So, we do, this did come out on February 27th, 1987. That is a little different than the normal times that it came out. The budget for this was $4.5 million. We just keep going up and up in budget because prices go up and up every year. That's just how it works. But the box office, or Square Marketplace, if you show, so should, was $44,793,224. Now, if you think that is bad, you are crazy, because that is not that bad at all. That is wonderful, actually. For this director, we got Chuck Russell, who also directed The Blob in 1988. Also directed The Mask in 1994. Somebody stop me! is something that Freddy Krueger definitely could have said. And I Am Wrath in the movie two th- in the year 2016. So go check out those films. Hopefully you've seen The Blob and The Mask, but if you haven't, go check those out, please. I have never seen I Am Wrath, but go check those out, I guess, as well. For writers, we have Wes Craven. Let's go with three other movies from Wes Craven. Shocker in 1989, Night Visions in 1990, and Pulse in 2006. Pulse I did not watch, but Shocker and Night Visions I have. Bruce Wagner is also another writer for this. Map to the Stars in 2014, Wild Palms in 1993, and his show State of the Union from 2008 to 2010. He was in a total of 20 episodes, or he wrote a total of 20 episodes. There we go, that's more like it. Frank Darabont who also wrote for The Green Mile in 1999, The Shawshank Redemption in 1994, and also wrote The Walking Dead in 2010 and 2022. We also do have a small bit of trivia when we get to it about him. So, let's wait until then. And then Chuck Russell, of course, did a little bit of the writing himself. We're talking Jungle Lee, he did writing for in 2019, and also Dreamscape in 1984. Now, for this movie, we have a good little summary for you. It's not too long. It's not too short. It's a little in the middle. So, here's that summary for you. Here we go. 
Picking up where the original nightmare left off, Nancy has grown up and become a psychiatrist specializing in dream therapy. She meets a group of children at a local hospital facing Freddy Krueger, the same demon she once encountered in her sleep. One of them is Kristen, who has the power to draw other people into her dreams. Working from a ma- with a male doctor assigned to the case, Nancy helps the kids realize their special abilities within the nightmare world. When Freddy captures one of her charges, she leads a rescue attempt into Kruger's domain in hopes of putting his spirit to rest once and for all. David Thiel Now that we are back, what did you think about that summary? I think it was nicely said, so kudos to you. Alright, let's get right into our cast of A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, in case you were not knowing that. But let's get into our cast. We have some people coming back. We have some new people from the first one. The second one, we have nobody from the second one. So, except for Robert England and Freddy Krueger, of course. But let's get right into that. Heather Camp, you know her as Nancy. She is back for this one. She is also in a show, Just the Ten of Us, that was on from 1988 to 1990. I hope you have seen it. If you haven't, go look it up. Maybe you'll enjoy it. Of course, we got the man, the myth, the legend, Robert England back. The three movies that I picked for this week is The Last Showing of 2014, Incubus of 2011, and Night of the Sinner in 2011 as well. Craig Wasson, we got Neil, who is the other psychologist that is helping Nancy with these teenagers. And you can find him on Body Double in 1984, Four Friends in 1981, and Seven Days from 1999. Patricia Arquette, which is a big deal, she plays Kristen in this. She is in True Romance in 1993, Boyhood in 2014, and she is the main character in Medium from 2005 to 2011 that was on NBC. I don't know if it's on Peacock, but I'm, I maybe, I don't know. So that's a good that's a good question, and I can look that up. Ken Segos, who plays King Cade, he you can find him on Nation's Fire in 2019, Garinos in 2016, and the next big thing in 2016. Joey, who doesn't say much in the film, is played by Rodney Eastman, who you can find him on Deadly Weapon in 1989. Sable in 2017, and Longmire in 2014, which I also believe is on Peacock. Jennifer Rubin, who is Taryn in this film, she is also beautiful and bad. And you can find her in Screamers in 1995, The Crush in 1993, and she's in the biopic The Doors in 1991. And I really believe Taryn does a great job in this film. I believe every all these teenagers do a good job, or... Plain teenagers, I'm not quite sure. Ira, Ira uh, Hiding, Hayden, who plays Will in the wheelchair, if you are not, if you do know this film. Will is the one in the wheelchair. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, is where you can find him on, from 1988. Also on the show Alias, from 2002 to 2003. Jennifer who wants to be the actress that goes to L.A. in the movie, is played by Penelope Sudrow. 
Also in a movie called Amazing Stories in 1986, Dead Man Walking in 1988, and also a TV show After Midnight in 1989. We have Lawrence Fishburne, who is actually a really big deal. In case you don't know who he is, he plays Max in the movie, but you know him more well-known as Morpheus from Matrix in 1999. Also, one of my new favorite movies that he's in, called The Signal, which came out in 2014. I just recently watched it and thought it was awesome. And also Running with the Devil in 2019, who is also starring Nicolas Cage also. John Saxon is back with his Kung Fu, with his Kung Fu master type stuff, digging up the past, or in this situation, popping the trunk on the past and getting attacked by a bag, by a bag of bones. We'll say it like that. But I'll let you watch that anyway. Alright, now after this cast, let's get into talking about the actual movie itself a little bit, alright? The film is not very long. It's a perfect uh, perfect length to me for an 80s slasher film. The opening credit sequence kind of looks like the intro of a craft competition. Looks like someone's using uh, paper mache to make something. And you're not quite sure what it is until the actual first scene happens. And the first scene is pretty awesome. The 80s heavy metal that you can hear throughout this film is actually re really jazzes you up. I love the idea of heavy metal or metal in general in horror movies. I like the idea, me personally. Some people don't like metal. Some people think that adds a little too much aggression to a horror film. And I can kind of agree with you as well. But overall, the heavy metal in this movie at least worked in this movie. Um, there's a part where Kristen recites Freddy's song, and I believe that's a little corny. What I do believe is a little more corny is right after that, Nancy pops up and she knows exactly what that song is. Um, I just thought that was a kind of a corny scene. You, that's up for you to decide. I would like to know what you thought about that. Um, I found out the drug that they found that the, in this film is actually not a real drug. Hypnoseal is not a real drug. But with a name like Hypnoseal, I don't really think... That it would be either. I don't know. I think the Freddie marionette that comes off the wall during one of the scenes is actually really awesome. And I do want to know where I can find that. Or if you do own it and want to give it to me, let me know. Because I will be very, very grateful. Also, do I did I tell you how much I love you people? You know? Alright. Back to it. The Philip kill scene was really well done. And the acting that these teenagers had towards... The heartbreak that is happening in this scene is actually really good. The teenagers are really good at acting. And I all think that they did a great job and think that they deserve praise for the acting that they did. Because I just think it was all really well done. And it was kind of, you know, that's also kudos to Chuck Russell for directing. And just getting these, these teenagers who are just way too good at acting. And I love it. Um, the story of the origins of Freddy, you kind of understand a little more origin story to this. Um, I do think it was well written. I do think it kind of was uh, not executed as well, but it was well written. And I'll give you that. So I do think the scene is worth seeing, kind of the origin story of Freddy, who he is, who his mother was, what this location was, all that. Good scene. I don't think it was well executed, but I do think what was written was there, and it was good. Um, Taryn's kill scene is sad to watch. 
especially if you know somebody in your family that struggles with drug addiction. It is a hard scene to watch, so kind of a a little bit of a uh, trigger warning for people who have uh, addictions to drugs or family that have addictions to drugs. That scene is kind of hard for you to watch, and I will tell you, it's a, it's a trigger warning, so watch out for it. I will say, in this film, Freddy freaks me out still. He is still gross. He is still mysterious. Um, he is a little witty. I think uh, the whole scene with the freaking, like, I don't know, Freddy worm thing uh, swallowing Kristen, I think that was disgusting, and I think it was really well done. And I also think the wittiness that came from Freddy in this film actually works really well and it's not over the top I think we'll talk more about over the top in the next film because I think they do get to a place where Freddy gets a little too a little too cartoonish but that is for a later episode I hope you watch that you listen to that episode with me so there is that I do find that Freddy skeleton fighting at the end of the film is actually still breaking the rules so we got to a whole place last episode about how it was breaking the rules for Freddy to show up at a pool party and scare these kids in real life and start killing kids. It is breaking the rules in that situation. But to me, Freddy's skeleton uh, fighting Neil and uh, Nancy's father, I think that is breaking the rules also. And I don't think many people talk about that. That is also breaking the rules for you to see Freddy Skeleton in real life fighting real people. After they just got this skeleton bag out of a freaking trunk of a car. Like seriously? But, you know, whatever. I will say, Neil gets whooped on by a shovel that Freddy's skeleton is holding. And let me tell you, Freddy is way too good with a shovel. He swings it so quick. Bop, 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 bop. Dude, Freddy's down on the... Uh, not Freddy. <laughs> Neil's down on the ground and it is like kind of lights out for him. Uh, the mirror scene, closer to the end, the mirror scene is actually a very cool scene. And Freddy's face appears in all the mirrors and it's really freaking cool. And I think also the acting in that scene is also really well done and something to actually pay attention to as well. And I will say at the end of this film, Freddy ends up being going out as a disco ball and that's pretty cool looking. And I will say that's not the end. You'll see why they kind of made it open-ended for you to think, hey, there might be another one. But anyway, here's going to be an ad from Anchor. We're going to get into a little bit of alternate versions of this film. And then get into a little bit of trivia. And then tagline. And then we are out. So here's going to be an ad from Anchor. I'll see you right back. I hope you did enjoy that ad from Anchor. I hope you choose to use Anchor, and if you get it from my podcast, I'll follow and listen to you. Also, while you are hearing about this, why don't you go to Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review this podcast, just so that means more people get to listen to it. And also, I would also very much appreciate it. All right, let's get into some alternate versions of this movie, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Dream Warriors, if you did not know, because we do have a dream something coming out, coming on after this with part four. Let's get into alternate versions. The VHS cassette released by Media Home Entertainment in the 1980s and the remastered 1999 New Line Home video release features a different song in the beginning instead of Dawkins Into the Fire. The unknown song heard is Quiet Cool. 
by Joe Lamont and substituted in the place of the Dawkins song. The U.S. DVD reinstates the original song back into the film. On the first VHS release, the music video on the film's ta- film title song, Dream Warriors by Dawkins, appears after the closing credits. In the original version of the film, the theatrical release and video, the nurse takes off her uniform and she's topless. In the TV version, she's wearing a bra. And no joke, that just makes sense. But also, did they actually film both? Or did they just add a bra in post-production? I would actually like to know that, and I'm not quite sure. If someone would like to know, if someone would like to tell me, if they do know, go to my Facebook, Instagram, let me know, or email me, horseboop at gmail.com. I'm done with the marketing, okay? Back on it. This was banned twice in Sweden. The running time was 93 minutes and 92 minutes. It finally passed at 90 minutes in 1988. In the TV version, in the scene where the word come and get him, bitch, appears on Joey's chest, a bedsheet has been superimposed on the word bitch, however. You can still hear the word being scratched into this chest, though. Some television versions enhance the text displayed on the computer monitor when Dr. Neil Gordon is researching the drug Hypnoseal. This is due to the fact that the text displayed has faded over years. Now let's get into some trivia. Alright, for some trivia for this film, Ken Sago stated in an interview that he really didn't want to audition for the role of Kincaid, but his agent talked him into going. On the day of the audition, he walked in heavy rain to catch the bus to the location. He showed up completely drenched and had to sit and wait for a few hours. Due to the auditions running late, when it was his turn, director Chuck Russell told him, do whatever you want to do. Segos was so frustrated and mad about the whole ordeal, he yelled, fuck you, and then proceeded to scream and curse at Russell. Russell immediately hired him, which I would too. I'd be like, you know what? That's pretty good. I enjoy that. How about you get up on board, okay? Uh, Jennifer Rubin was told by some of her fans that her character for Taryn had caused them to quit drugs. And the actress is very proud of that fact. And as she should. Good for you, Jennifer Rubin. Thank you for being something that is a positive light in our society today. Some people don't care that much about it. So thank you for thinking that's something to be proud of, because it is. For one week during filming, Robert England was working 24 hours every day. By day, he was wrapping up filming on a television series, Downtown, 1986, and then we'll report report to A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, set at nights. According to Wes Craven, the idea for the mental hospital treating the Dream Warriors was not just off the riff, but instead inspired by real-life establishments. At that time, there was a kind of movement at such places that would advertise on television. Send us your troubled child, and we'll make them okay. And essentially, they were like prisons or insane asylums. At around 29 minutes, when the clay puppet face turns into Freddy's special effects, Doug Beswick used stop-motion animation. Film began with a clay Freddy face and was made plainer in each frame. The result was then run back and that it appear in the final cut of the film the way you see it. Isn't that kind of cool? I love that. Also, if you know where to find one, let me know. Film debut for Patricia Arquette and Jennifer Rubin. Both of them did a wonderful job. Both of them 
to me, are some of the stars of this movie. Did such a great job, and you can tell they both knew how to act and that they were going to have a career in it. This is first writing credit for Oscar-nominated writer and director Frank Darabont, which we already talked about. Did some cool, cool movies. Uh, like The Green Mile, Shawshank Redemption, and also wrote for The Walking Dead. Of course. That's a pretty big deal to me, and it's kind of cool that this is the first writing credit as well. At around the 38-minute mark, Jennifer is watching the movie Critters, which if you do not know Critters, Critters is pretty awesome, and you kind of know what happens in that TV as well, if you've seen the film. Kristen comes across a classic nightmarish image of a roasted pig on a table, and then it comes to life and growls at her. They actually roasted a pig, let it spoil, and prop guys puppeted from beneath. The poor guy who was actually behind the camera, cinematographer Roy H. Wagner, claims the pig's stench was so overwhelming that he can smell it to this day. Now, I don't know when this bit of trivia came into uh, existence, so that could have been three days after they made the movie, so I, I can't tell you. But it sounds gross, it smelled gross, I'm sure, and I am not trying to discredit this. <laughs> Wes Craven worked with two different Ar- Arquette siblings. Patricia Arquette was in this movie, and her brother, David Arquette, would become famous for playing Dewey in the Scream series. The first four of which were directed by Craven. Craven also worked with their father, Louis Arquette, who played a sheriff in Scream 2 in 1997. I actually did not know that Louis Arquette was in Scream 2 in 1997. I need to rewatch that because I find it crazy that they are all working like that. But anyway, that is your trivia. Let's get into some taglines and then we will be out of here. For taglines, the first one we got, Freddy's just around the corner. And I think about it with Freddy's voice, and that makes it a lot better. The next one is, if you think you'll get out alive, you must be dreaming. The third one is, if you think you're ready for Freddy, think again. And the horror spoof tagline for Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, is 1-2. Dear New Line, please do not sue. All right, thank you. I am Eric Lewis. I hope you will listen to the episode for Nightmare on Elm Street 4. I am Eric Lewis. This is Horror Spoop. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. Please have a good week.